Paleo Runner Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash paleorunner. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I recommend downloading The War of Art. It's a book about what keeps us from doing the things we love. If you're struggling to get something done, this book will give you the motivation to do it. Audible is a great way to learn new things while you're on the go. Listen to a book while you're doing laundry, out for a run, or commuting to work. Go to paleorunner.org and click Audible at the top of the page. Paleo Runner Podcast is devoted to finding better ways to live, run, train, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. You can find more information by going to paleorunner.org. You'll also find me on facebook.com slash runpaleo and on Twitter at runpaleo. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Search for Paleo Runner in iTunes and click ratings and reviews. You'll also find the show on the Stitcher app. Stitcher is an app for your iPhone and Android that lets you listen to podcasts on the go without downloading or syncing. You can email feedback to Aaron at paleorunner.org. My guest today is Nell Stevenson. Nell has written a book called Paleoista and has co-authored the official paleo diet cookbook with Professor Lauren Cordain. Nell is a competitive endurance athlete and has competed in Ironman triathlon, marathons, and ultramarathon events. Nell, thanks so much for being on the show today. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a guest. I appreciate the opportunity. So tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get started on the paleo diet? I learned about the paleo diet over eight years ago, and it was kind of something I just stumbled upon after a lifetime of being sick with stomach issues. I ate what I thought was a healthy diet. I grew up with a hippie mom, so everything was always fresh, no preservatives, lots of vegetables and fruits, certainly my fair share of whole grains, legumes, and raw dairy. So growing up eating those, looking back, I can say certainly didn't help my predisposition to be gluten intolerant. So I, I went from having mild issues my entire life to getting to the point where in my early 20s, I was in such pain every single day. I was going to the hospital. I was seeking out gastrointestinal specialists. Nobody asked what I was eating. Um, mm-hmm. Ultimately, the last one I saw uh, reluctantly tested me for celiac disease. And when my test came back negative, he said, you don't have celiac. There's no reason to cut out gluten. If you do cut out gluten, you're actually going to put yourself at risk for not getting enough nutrition in your diet. So I had had it up to the eyeball, and I went online and did some research. And that's when I learned that you can have a latent allergy to gluten. I, I refer to that now as a tipping point. So at some point in time, your body just kind of says enough. It can happen when you're an infant. It can happen when you're 80. Um, the bottom line is gluten is not good for any of us, even if somebody doesn't have a diagnosed allergy. So I did gluten-free living for about a year, and although I felt better, the proverbial seed had been planted in terms of thinking that something in my entire life, thinking I was eating something that was good for me, was actually causing so much damage, which was whole wheat and whole grains. I wondered if there was something else that fell into that category. So I went back online and did a little bit more research, and that's when I found out about the paleo diet. And conceptually, it just made sense to me. The idea of eating a really nice balance the local fresh organic vegetables, healthy wild protein, and unadulterated fat and some fruit, and nothing packaged or in a wrapper um, as a day-to-day course of a meal made sense. And I, I started eating that way and felt better right away, and I've, I've been paleo ever since. Okay. So did you notice any noticeable changes when you went from just gluten-free to then stepping it up to paleo? Oh, my goodness. The incremental changes. Um, first of all, with gluten-free, being a gluten-free endurance athlete, you're still eating a lot of things that are processed and highly refined, like... Um, um, gluten-free bagel, gluten-free bread, gluten-free cookies. And even though I've never been somebody to overdo the, the treat type of food, it actually does get taken out of context quite a bit. I 
see an unfortunate trend right now where people are seeming to take the gluten-free idea where the low-fat and fat-free phase of the early 90s went. In other words, they're getting the misconception that gluten-free means eat as much as you want. It's not helping with our obesity problem and our diabetes problem in the U.S. Um, so, yes, I did. Even though I was still eating, even though I was gluten-free, I was certainly still eating gluten-free pasta, gluten-free bagels, gluten-free things that I thought I needed to fuel my diet. Um, and my stomach felt better, but I didn't, I still didn't feel fantastic. And so, absolutely, when I stopped eating all grains, all dairy, and all legumes, I felt like, I, I can't even tell you, more than a million dollars. My sleep improved, my training improved, my recovery improved, my skin looked better. I, I wasn't overweight to begin with, but I went from about 16% body fat down to 7 where I've been ever since. And, I mean, I, I hardly ever get sick. I have tons of energy. My thinking is clear. It just, it feels almost like a magic bullet, but it's really nothing more than common sense way of eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your book, Paleoista. What does that phrase mean? Paleoista is a word I trademark, and it's a combination of the word paleo from the paleo diet and fashionista. And the reason I made that word up is because I wanted paleo to be appealing to everybody. Um, traditionally, it's been presented more to men and uh, more to a strength or bodybuilding type athlete. And often, people can be put off, especially women, might feel like it's a man's diet or it's maybe too high in protein or they have lots of misconceptions. They think it's the ass diet. And my position is I want to be the women's voice in the paleo sphere so that people can, can look at me and I'm, I'm modern and I'm I'm interested in fashion, and I'm certainly not a cave woman. Um, hmm. And yet, these principles of healthy eating can apply to all of us. So that's what paleo is all about. It's kind of a, a healthy, modern-day state of mind while we're implementing the food that we're supposed to be eating. Um, and I wrote the book because it's basically the guide that I wish I could have come across when I first used paleo. So I cover many, many of the topics uh, and questions that I had, but also that my clients have asked through the years. So things like, how do I handle paleo in a social situation? What if my husband's not interested? What about the kids? What about traveling? What about packing? lunches for school and I really really focus on strategies for all of those and I also talk about case studies of 10 women that I work with all around the world from all different walks of life just to use as inspiration for some of the challenges that they've had um, that we don't have to be faced with for example one client Tanya is she was stationed in Kabul Afghanistan when she reached out to me and so for her to be able to go paleo in the military um, is pretty significant and so sometimes when I have a local client here in Los Angeles where we're spoiled with produce year-round who complains about not being able to make paleo work I often refer to the example yeah, you know, one of the things I really liked about your book is how you put, you put everything out there in a really clear, easy to understand way. There's not a lot of science that you need to get through, although you do go into a little bit of the background. And, um, you know, about a year ago, when I first started this journey, I was still kind of on the edge, not sure if I, I wanted to go for it 100%. And I came home and my wife had just read your book and everything was gone from the pantry. So she, your, your book really help convince her and oh that's wonderful yeah so it, it really i i re- really recommend it for some people who are looking for a, a easy easy read and a good way to get into it and i'm so glad to hear that in fact my mentor dr Cordain, um paid me a compliment and i've referred to it many times because it really just distinctly wrapped up um, the way that he and I worked together, which was he compared us to Julie and Julia. And in other words, he's a scientist. He's got decades of research under his belt. If you want an explanation as to what's going on in the microscopic level in your gut with this hormone and that protein, he will be able to tell you. I can give a very basic overview, um, but I'm the one who tells you how to do it. And some people are happy that there's science behind it, but they don't necessarily want to know what the science is. And we work really well together as a team referring to one another. So it's um, my job, my mission, I feel, is to bring it to everybody 
and let them know how simple it, it really is. I mean, we're in the middle of an awful healthcare crisis, and um, everybody's walking around, but not everybody, but many people are walking around, even if they're not actually sick, they're walking around in sort of a state of some clinical illness, and so much of it is due to what we're eating, and we're literally poisoning our, our bodies, and it becomes so complicated when it doesn't have to be. It's actually really, really simple. Mm-hmm. So what, what, do you, what do you say to people who say, you know, I feel fine eating bagels and pasta and things like that. You know, I come across this when I try to convince some of my runner friends. Um, you know, I try to tell them, how, well, how much better you can feel. What do you say to those kind of people? I use exactly the same expression. And my position is never to convince or argue or, or try to make somebody think that I'm right and they're wrong. Um, because I know I wouldn't want somebody to try to impose their views upon me. And eating is such a personal opinion. Um, the best thing to do is if somebody is not interested in paleo and they're, you know, they're sort of being argumentative and saying, well, I eat bagels and I feel fine, just leave it alone. Um, but you're right. You know, even if somebody says, I eat bagels and I feel fine, they might not actually realize that they're normal or they're fine isn't actually all that great. Um, um, so, that, you know, the, I, what I always presented is somebody that's interested but not convinced is give it a try for 30 days, do it at 100%, and see how you feel. It's only a month. You know, that way it doesn't feel like you can never eat a bagel again or, or whatever your your food that you're afraid of giving up might be. And, you know, often the, the case is that, that people do it for 100% and they feel great and they never didn't even realize that they were walking around every day with a stomachache or a headache. And they realized that it was it was the gluten that would make them feel sick or it was the soy. And they can test it. You know, they can go 30 days and they might say, I, I went ahead and had a bowl of ice cream and I never realized before because I was eating it all the time, but it made me so congested. Um, or they might say, I was at 100%, but I wanted to go home and my mom makes an amazing lentil soup, so I had a little bit and I didn't really feel that sick, so I am going to have it once in a while. And that's where the, you know, the idea of being partly paleo comes in. I'm not actually a fan of that conceptually. Um, I don't recommend people do it in a half-hearted way uh, because I, I do feel strongly about the, the negative effects of eating the non-paleo foods on the body. However, um, if you're trying to reach the masses, if, you know, the average person uh, in America eating the standard American diet was to go partly paleo, that would be a big improvement. So that's kind of what my position is on, on the idea of sort of partly paleo. Mm-hmm. So let, let's talk about a little bit about your, your endurance activities. Have you seen an increase in performance since you started the paleo diet? Oh my gosh, incredible. When I first started racing triathlon, I was very, very average. I was always finishing in the middle of the pack. Um, I sort of had a pipe dream of one day going to Kona, but I never real, really thought it would be an actuality. Partly because although I was putting hours in on the training, I was sick in every single race because I hadn't figured out how to fuel properly. So I was having pasta the night before. I was having a bagel the morning of. And not surprisingly, every single race was, was resulting in an unexpected stop in the porta potty. And I was sick every single race I did for a good five years. Um, and so that was part of it. So, you know, part, partly directly, partly indirectly. Um, also, being leaner and lighter helps. And, I mean, this is not necessarily part of the paleo diet, just from an athlete perspective, integrating more of the mental mental training and mental capacity and sports psychology is very, very, very important. And the beautiful thing about that is even if you haven't had that as part of a, your upbringing, if you haven't played sport as a kid or you have, maybe you didn't have a, a great coach as a role model, um, what you learn in sport can, can so easily apply to other areas of your life, your personal life relationship, as well as work. Um, so it's really been a combination of mental training, um, finding the healthy balance of, of eating properly, also making sure you're getting enough sleep. Too many of us don't get enough sleep, and that's really, really, a lot of people don't realize how significant that is. Um, and, and just years of dedication. We're finding a good coach that really works for you, that pushes you just the right amount, um, but not too much. So collectively, those things have allowed me to go from a very average uh, middle
middle of the packer to having been able to qualify for Kona six times. Um, so it's been it's been a really um, wonderful process, and I, I love every minute of it. So just in case our listeners don't know, can you tell how far an Ironman triathlon is? Yeah, it's a 2.4 mile swim followed by a 112 mile bike ride followed by a marathon, which is 26.2 miles. Wow, and and how long does it take to complete that? Well, it varies. I mean, my best time is 10 hours and 17 minutes. Usually, the course stays open about 17 hours. Um, so it really depends on somebody what their background is, how long they've been racing, what their goals are, are they injured? Um, lots of different things, but that's, that's kind of the sound. You know, the, the top females and males will, will go, you know, around. I don't know what the current record is, but it's pretty fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're also involved in marathons and ultra marathon events, right? Yeah, I've done. My husband is actually the ultra marathoner in the family. He's, he's the one that's done Western States and Angeles Crest and tons and tons of 50 milers. I've done a few. Um, I just love running. Uh, if you had tell me, if you were telling me right now, you can't race triathlon. You have to pick one of three disciplines. In a heartbeat, I would pick running. It's absolutely my passion. Um, it, it's a gift to be able to run, and it's definitely my favorite. Mm-hmm. And what what have you gotten your marathon time down to since going paleo? My PR is three oh one. I've done three oh one, three oh one, three oh two, three oh one. I'm chomping it to break three hours. So wow. hopefully the next miracle will allow me the opportunity to do so. Yeah, yeah. That's for people listening out there. That's around a uh, six fifty six minutes fifty seconds per mile, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a great time. Um, you know how how have your ideas about paleo changed since you started this diet? Well, I went into it feeling so frustrated with feeling sick all the time that I was very open-minded and I didn't feel careful. I will say most of my clients who come to me, learn, um, you know, seeking out paleo is because that they've tried lots of other ways of eating and it hasn't, they haven't been uh, successful in terms of making them feel healthy, making them lose weight, or just giving them a sense of overall well-being. So the, when the skepticism is removed and you're a lot more open-minded and there's a much better chance of it working. Because I was so sick of being sick and I was very open-minded and I already had completed my degree in exercise physical nutrition, I knew a lot about how the body works and how food works in the body. So it, it just made sense to me on a very fundamental level. So if anything, I'm even more of an advocate for it now because I've seen how much changed my life as well as people that I've worked with who, who are much thicker than I. Um, so I'm, I'm even more passionate about it. Sometimes I have to, you know, shut myself up because I'm, I'm just talking about it all the time. <laughs> Okay. Have you heard of this idea that some ultra-endurance athletes have been using fat instead of carbohydrate as a fuel? Absolutely. And I, I integrate fat to training with my own diet as well. I play around with it off the time. Um, and I think it's when done properly and when you, when you allow your body to train and adapt that way, it's a really good idea for a couple of reasons. One, if you're somebody who's trying to shed a couple of pounds fat, it will help you become more efficient at utilizing fat as a substrate. And also just to be, become a better overall aerobic engine. That's a helpful thing to do. Um, what I would not recommend is if you're somebody who's always done lots of, uh, you know, lots of gels and uh, bars and mix and energy. Does not, I, I would not recommend in one step going from that to just going on a three-hour run without having any food in your belly. So it's not, it needs to be done in the proper context and you need to do a few trials if you've never done fasted training before. Try something, try it a couple times in a controlled environment where if something goes wrong, you won't feel, there's no risk. So in other words, if you want to give it a try, a perfect way to do it would be go to the gym where there are people around and do something super short and super easy, like a 30-minute run. See how you feel. Um, most people will tend to say they feel pretty good and they'll, they'll plan on eating something afterwards. But every once in a while, I'll have a client that tries it and says, I felt dizzy, I felt it made me 
you feel really nervous. I didn't like it. There's certainly no reason why you have to do it, um, but it's, it's definitely something worth experimenting around. And, and ultimately, we have to be our own experiment. The only we know how our own body feels. And I personally, I feel great doing some fasted training, and I will add uh, coconut oil sometimes if I'm doing something longer, but more along the lines of being aerobic, um, compared to if I'm doing a set of N1 mile repeats of track, and I prefer to do that on empty, and I don't want to have that in my system because I just, I feel like from my personal experience, I'd rather do it on it. So it's kind of just capped to a lot of trial and error. Okay. So what what do you what what do you recommend people feel with during training? Well, I've always been really candid about the one thing in my diet that does not tell you is that I use a carbohydrate gel. Um, I don't like the fact that I take it, but the reason I take it is the, it's the only thing that I'm aware of right now that provides the type of carbohydrate at the rate that I need in conjunction with the electrolyte balance. Um, if you look at all the products on the market, the gel is the one that they can those down. The particular kind that I use doesn't have any added, you know, it's kind of like the, less, the least of all the different evils. There's no added, um, there's no pretend sugar as far as aspartame or sucralose. There's no um, dye. Uh, it's just it's just sugar. Um, two different types of sugar. One is a more quickly emptying sugar from the gut and bloodstream, and the other one is a more low. So you take it as a third ratio of about four calories per kilogram of body weight per hour of endurance exercise for bouts of activity lasting upwards of 90 minutes. And that doesn't mean if you're doing a shorter workout than 90 minutes and you never need a gel, it just means you don't have to be as rigid at the frequency. Um, I wish there were a paleo gel on the market. I'm not aware of one. I had a meeting with a couple of the scientists about developing one, which I would like to do at some point, but that's kind of a little pet pop, um, project or something that's a, the first priority. Okay. Um, that's what I'm using right now to fuel, uh, aside from what I'm doing with acid training. Also, if I'm doing a, a long aerobic bike ride or a longer base um, training session, I can fuel with food, things like higher glycemic um, fruit, like banana, uh, and a little bit of coconut oil. And if it's a, longer, uh, a really long day, then I can bring some protein in the form of homemade jerky, that type of thing. So I try to, you know, I, that, that's kind of my position on it. It's like I said, if there were a paleo gel in the market right now, I would be all over it. Um, but that's the one thing that I have right now that is not paleo. And it's um, something I've always been quite open about because it's, that's just the actuality. Mm-hmm. So what is it about the ultra endurance events that, that you really enjoy? Well, I like um, I like the first time to do it because I want to see. I just thought um, there wasn't a really good reason for me not to do it. I was interested in short course triathlons. I had seen a friend um, race Ironman back in 2001. The California path used to be a full, so I went to watch her um, race in 2000 actually, and she did a great job. And I went back to finish line, and that is when I had an epiphany in that I saw an older gentleman cross the line who I think I, I researched was about 84 years old. I saw somebody cross the line with uh, one leg. I saw somebody cross the line in a wheelchair, and that was so inspiring and so motivating me to think about what that person must have overcome to be able to do an Ironman. And there I was in my early 20s with a body that completely worked. And the only reason I wasn't uh, trying it was that I didn't think I could. And it suddenly seemed like such a silly reason to not try it. Um, so that, that the message is not to everybody that you have to sign up for Ironman. The message is you have a gift of a body that moves, you should be moving. And the key is to find something you enjoy doing. So if you love running, you should be out running. If you like gym, you should be going to the gym. If you like playing soccer, you should be doing that. It doesn't matter as long as you're moving. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people who are into the paleo lifestyle have um, kind of gravitated toward this type of footwear, this minimal footwear. What kind of shoes do you wear when you're running? I actually vary my footwear. I haven't gotten a lot into the barefoot running, except if I'm if I'm running on the sand, um, if I'm doing a sand workout or a grass workout, I'll sometimes run barefoot. But I'm still more traditional in the sense that I like a I like a very lightweight neutral shoe. At the moment, I've been running in Adidas Ada Zeros, and I've also been racing a little bit in the Nike Blizzard Wide. Um, then when I run on trails, I tend to wear the um, what am I wearing right now? The Brook uh, Brook Cascadia. So I, I vary it a little bit based on the terrain. Mm-hmm. Do you have a race that you consider one of your most memorable races where you had a experience that was really stood out to you? Oh, there's, I think there's experiences in every race that you take away and learn from, but I think the most special race was probably in, I think it was 2009, the half in Hawaii. 
from In Hollywood June, which has become one of my favorite sentimental races. And in that race, I was the first um, the first amateur woman and fourth overall. So three pro women beat me, but I was the first um, age group athlete. And that, um, when I heard the announcer say that, I just burst into tears because I was so, you know, I had been racing for so long and I've been just working, 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 working. And, and I'm, you know, I'm a pretty tough cookie, so I don't have a problem with lots of hardware. But, um, you know, when you finally get that reward, it's pretty significant of, uh, you know, all the all the work you've done pays off. And certainly, the, you know, the very first time I qualified for photo was remarkable. Um, I mean, every there's milestones with every race, though. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any tips for people who are who are listening and they're interested in what you're saying and they want to get started? Definitely. Um, the must, I would say an absolute must have for everybody's paleo library is Dr. Courtney's first book, The Paleo Diet. But that is the quintessential paleo. Um, there's a lot of books popping up there uh, out, out in the media right now. Some of them are great resources and some of them have their own little cue about what paleo is in there, including foods that aren't really paleo or they, they've got really hooked on the idea that make paleo treats is something you should do every day. Um, so, and I'm not going to say which books are good and which books are bad, but just to say the, the Paleo Diet by Lauren Bourdain is a must have. Um, of course, I would love it if everybody would be in reading my book as well, which is Paleolisa, my second book. And my website is um, paleolisa.com. I have a blog that I've been doing on All Things Paleo 2007, which is a free searchable blog, which is a wealth of information. I always, and I also sell a series of download files on my site, which um, if you have read the books and you're kind of needing a little bit of extra guidance, it's just point click download plan. There you go. Great, great. Well, now it's been great talking to you today, and um, you've given our listeners lots to think about, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to hearing the podcast. You've been listening to another episode of Paleo Runner Podcast. You can find more information by going to paleorunner.org. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a review. You can also find Paleo Runner on the Stitcher app. Stitcher is an app for your iPhone and Android that lets you listen to podcasts without downloading or syncing. Email feedback to Aaron at paleorunner.org.